Good morning. This is Coffee with the Sarlos, and I'm Karen. Good morning. I'm Kelly. And you've presented client stories today mm-hmm. as our topic of discussion. Yep. Okay. Can't sleep. Can't stay sleeping. Feels anxiety in large groups. Fear of being in crowds or in being in the center of the room. Are you referring to one client? Mm-hmm. I am. So... I just wanted to give some of the symptoms first. Okay. Um, doesn't want to be in school. Fears failure. Thinks that his head uh, is that there's something wrong with his brain. And the teachers could agree uh, because he can't seem to stay focused. And yet, if he can focus, he does quite well. So what's up with that? Is this just a behavioral thing? And he's moody, he's this, he's that. He is because he's full of anger and doesn't understand because it isn't always his own, but doesn't understand that. Notices that he thinks things and then they happen. Or he'll hear it in another conversation that it's happened to somebody else, but why did he just know that? Feels like he, he knows what people are going to say just before they say it. But if he blurts out the answer or says something, the adult thinks that he's being disruptive, disruptive, pretentious, arrogant. I've been called those things. Okay. So I'm trying to think back to the phone call that came in from a mom who said, I heard about you and this is what my son's going through. He's in high school. And I can't get him to go anymore. So I'm looking at homeschooling. I'm looking at, I don't even know, am I looking at therapy? Am I looking at drugs? Uh, The teachers have suggested certain things. Other parents are telling me their kids went through it and they got antidepressants. Some kid, like, what do I do? So that was the beginning of the phone call. And then 24 hours later, her teenage son came in and just sat down in the chair gave consent but really didn't have much to say to me he just sat with his hands kind of I don't know not even folded in his lap he fidgeted and put them up to his face and so when I began by saying um, things about certain fears the fear of being wrong the fear of uh, being thrown out of groups being isolated a whole bunch of things that were just sitting deep within him Then he just looked at me and went, yeah. And then I said the things that his mom said, the things that were happening, plus more that he hadn't told her. And then the conversation went to, what what is this, Karen? And as you know, Kelly, and maybe some of our listeners now, after listening to many shows know, that he has gifts, Mm -hmm. but that they are being, um, like, uh, unidentified, identified incorrectly as problems because they've turned into situations people don't know how to cope with including him well I think you just said something that needs pause because they've been identified you're saying they've been identified as a problem yeah by someone other than him yes which has created fear and phobia within himself that's exactly my point all because teachers and the people around him don't have the coping skills or the curiosity and the integrity to ask a question. 
I like how you said ask a question. Or, or educate themselves. Yeah, because it can be just as kind and as gentle as and a curiosity as to what it could be instead of thinking, I know what it is, without asking him enough questions. So the symptoms present and we take the symptoms and say what it is instead of asking more questions to find out if there's more that's wrong or why it is. And, and I liken this to when I've showed up at Emerge. And I might say to the triage nurse, um, I'm here because of my knee. And she says, well, what's going on? And I tell her a bit. But then once the doctor arrives, I spill my guts. Mm-hmm. Or I sit there and I don't. And, you know, the doctor, I'll say female in this case, might look at what's been written by the nurse, but starts to ask me more questions. Mm-hmm. They don't walk in and say, so the nurse said this, and this is the test we've got, and this is what we're doing. They don't do that. The doctor comes in and begins again with more questions. They might ask the same ones to see if they're going to get the same answer, or they might ask different questions. Does it go up your leg? Do you feel it anywhere else in your body? Do you have a headache? Mm -hmm. Do you have a rash? And I might think, why are they asking me all of that? But they're asking questions to gain more information. And that that's one of the things that can help a person heal. Mm-hmm. It can help a person take a pause for a moment and not feel that people know what's wrong with them. This is what we're going to do. When that young teenage boy, young man, was saying, but no one's even asked me everything yet. Mm-hmm. The teacher doesn't even know that I can't sleep through the night. Or, Oh, is this good? I just did a session for one of my favorite teachers uh, and she was asking, she left it wide open and things came through about her career and she said, go ahead. And she's struggling with her own gifts opening. So she's rocking and she's feeling disoriented and she just said, I don't, sometimes I don't know how to cope in my own classroom because of her own stuff. Yeah. And I said, sorry, I said what the guys told me to say and that was that she could walk in and... Uh, play the game almost like seven up where she asks her students to put their heads down and she asks questions where she says okay which how many of you didn't sleep last night and they get to raise their hand Mm -hmm. how many of you didn't eat this morning how many of you are in the mood for humor today how many of you need quiet today and she can go through her list of questions how many of you are in a rage today and so the guides were saying it so that she could identify when she was picking up on other people's stuff, but that it was consequently going to work just as well for her students to, f- to feel seen, heard, validated, and know that their teacher is trying to work toward their current state, mm. whether it's a physical, emotional, or mental state. Mm. And that this was something she has the tools to adapt to very quickly, almost like we we talk all the time about Amanda Cooley in a yoga class, Mm -hmm. what's going on with everyone's body, and she can adapt the entire session to individual needs. This teacher has the intellectual and emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. to adapt to everyone else's emotional states. Mm -hmm. Well, and if you, I mean, if you don't want to respond, you can just not put your hand up for anything. If yeah. you, you know, like that's, you know, also to say if someone doesn't want to share, they don't have to. Mm-hmm. But it could also do a lot, I would think, to help the students be empathic towards each other. Uh, but I could also understand that some students will feel threatened by that. 
uh, and perhaps that could happen more in the beginning and that could change as a year goes on. Absolutely. So at the beginning, they might not want their classmates to know if they're angry or they're this or that. Their but, heads are down. Oh, their heads are down. Seven up, you put your heads down oh. and the hands, just hands go up. So only the teacher knows what you're answering. Oh, I see. The students don't see each exactly. other's responses. Oh, I totally forgot what so seven up was. Yeah. So there's a safe, <laughs> how could you? So there's a safety within the classroom for the students to feel what they're feeling okay. and not feel threatened that yeah. someone's going to tattle, rat them out, laugh at them, yeah. and judge them. Yeah. That the teacher, because she has such a high level of trust with all of her students, their information is safe with her and they oh. know her intention is to teach toward that state. Right. Okay. Okay. But then, okay. So I love what you did that, that it goes back and forth and that we're not trying to pick on teachers in the podcast. Right. We, I was trying to say teachers, parents, friends, like all in all kinds of ways. But that sometimes um, without asking the right questions, we think we have all the information we need. And if we don't have it, then we label it or we deal with it in the way that we think we are doing. But this young man was saying, nobody knows, nobody understands. And nobody's talking his language. Nobody's understanding. He even wanted to talk about, and he said, do you do dreams? And I said, yeah, do you want me to go into a few of them and talk to you about what you're dreaming? And he said, well, that would be cool if you can. <laughs> and I said, okay, that's fine. I'll just see what the spirit guides give me. So they did give me one dream for him that's a repetitive dream. And he really liked that that was the dream because it did highlight his fears of being in the middle of a class or a middle of a group or even the middle of the bank or the middle of Walmart. He wanted to go on the outside of things, and it had to do with a past life of being punished for having these gifts, and that they put him in the center of town and ridiculed him. Anyway, it's not a good story, but the long and the short of it is, is that he has some residue from that life. Well, it's not a happy story, but yeah. it's, I think, a lot of people's stories. Oh, my God. And it doesn't even mean that we're always killed for it. Sometimes being shunned or being bullied is worse than being killed, and and I... I think if somebody has gone through horrible bullying or for years or by a whole family ex extended over a lifetime or a spouse or their own children, they really do understand that it is a life of suffering. Okay, so that was that was one of the client stories that I I wanted to bring up today because we got so far in that session with him because the guides came in and started giving him the tools. They started telling him, not like in a general, let's write a book kind of way, or let's teach it kind of way to a whole group, but can we individuate it so that it applies to him? So what does he need to do to calm down when he goes to bed at, light, at night? What does he need to do when he's in these dreams? And the guide started talking to him about moving through the different realities in his dreams and what would work for him. They, the guides came through for him personally. To be able to say to him, your brain works this way. You pick up other people's information and this is what you could do if you want to get it affirmed. So they gave him little tools in that toolkit so that if he didn't feel like he could walk up to somebody in the classroom and say, are you the one with the sore hip? He could ask nature to give him an affirmation. He, he got all these different types of different tools that he felt comfortable with. So when the guides would say it, he'd say, I like that. 
or he'd say, oh, I don't think I can do that one. Can you give me another one? And they'd go back and find a different one for him, which means that he walked out of here far differently than he walked in. (laughs) And he walked out with tools. He walked out with games. He walked out with a vocabulary. He walked out with ways to create conversations with his inner circle, where they invited him to find an inner circle and create trust. I like what your story is illustrating. And I know your intention is to, well, all our intention every single show is mm-hmm. to help people find pieces of themselves in the stories. Mm-hmm. But it's not just to help you find yourself in the story, but to see, to help you identify your own areas of struggle mm-hmm. and to know what you can benefit from or how you can benefit from the sessions and really pinpointing the relief that you're looking for. Because I think without identifying the actual symptom, I'll call it, we don't know who or how to seek a solution. And that was the mom's call. That was that was when I picked up the phone. She just began with, my son has, and she just launched into yeah. the symptoms, the, the struggles. But the mom has already gone so far as to work hard to identify what her son is experiencing. And I don't think we do that enough for other people in our lives. And we sure as heck don't do it enough for our own selves. So if he's struggling to identify his own experience, but he's got someone who loves him and is observing his life, which is validating... And then saying, okay, let's bridge these two people together. Then you've got a team. You've, you've now got a team that's working to create a happier, healthier, more energetic life. Well, and what, came, what happened too, Kelly, was that she gave me a list. But the spirit guides gave me a list. So some of the things that she observed, she was right about. Some of them he didn't even recognize in himself. Yeah. So when I gave him the list, he was like, what? Yeah, that's true. Well, and I, this is really cool because in, in every single session, at one point or another, the guides will describe that the client feels quote unquote off. Mm. And everyone seems to have this universal term of feeling off, but then the guides will individually explain what it means to the person in front of me. And then that's where the client feels like, okay, this really is about me and not just generalized. It's not just any old person calling themselves a psychic saying, this is what you feel because the whole world's feeling this. Your guides sit there and actually spell out how, what the symptoms are, how you're reacting, where the thoughts are going after your body reacts to it, and how it's affecting your relationship and your life and your energy. Mm-hmm. So the spirit guides gave other symptoms, and they gave the foundation of where, it, the, where the crack occurred. Right. So they would say, this is when this developed. This is why it occurred. And actually, one of his cracks, if I remember correctly, well, no, I do, was at birth, he got twisted, and it did some damage to his hip joints. And so he is currently seeing a chiropractor and a massage therapist currently, and he's probably about 14 now. But that he's gone 14 years without that help in the in the hip area. So part of his anxiety is his own physical pain. Part of his anxiety is not being able to sleep because it wakes him up through the night. And that he wasn't even aware that he was waking up through the night because of the hip pain. He was aware of the pain during the day. Right. So 
he asked about the hip pain and about the birth. And I said, you just didn't want to come into the world. I said, do you still feel like that? You don't want to be here? And he goes, yeah. He goes, you mean I was born not wanting to be here? And I said, yeah. In fact, a bunch of us were. <laughs> yes. And but that felt that that was like a moment of relief to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, you might like to go home and ask your mom about your birth. You might like to ask her what happened. And if that's correct about being twisted and if there was an injury and being pull, like trying to pull you out and there was something wrong that happened with a twist when you were coming at your hip area. Or did the doctor have to reach in and turn you and did he have to and so on and so on. I said, ask your parents. I said, ask them. They might even be able to go back and ask a doctor who might still have that file if it's the same doctor. Mm-hmm. You may get your answers from the humans that can affirm all of this for you. The other thing was that he didn't overly feel close to his mom. So there were other things the spirit world gave as problems or challenges he was going through that he hadn't shared with her. And when I said, well, you don't feel like you can really tell her. And I said, but that's not even really true because she's opening her own gifts right now. And I hear you have a sister and she's telling you she is too. And they're actually the two that are trying to encourage you. But you think they're the ones that are against you. And he goes, "Mm, yeah. And I said, you think your dad is your person, but your dad is the one that controls you and bullies you. And he goes, oh, absolutely. My dad wouldn't even acknowledge if I said I came to see you. He'd say it was all bullshit. I was throwing my money away. And I said, okay. So is it okay for us to start shifting how you're seeing things in life to actually really understand what is love and what is control? And I know that that can be hard at 14 to all of a sudden see that your dad is controlling you. In, and he's there's there's meanness in it when you want to identify with him at this time of your life mm-hmm. but maybe that's okay to be honest about it and that you can still have a relationship that can change but you might want to pick a wonderful teacher who's a man who might teach you or nurture you or a coach or something else in your life so that you get what you need mm-hmm. so that your dad isn't holding you captive that he, he isn't manipulating you or emotionally blackmailing you. So lots came through because a mom made the appointment. So then I wanted to go to the end of this. He stood at the door and he was ready to leave and his mom thanked me and booked an appointment for herself. Her, his mom didn't sit in on the session. Oh, though. no. Okay. So nope. she's just thanking you for seeing him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she, she had waited in the, in the living room. She would have wait, wait, stayed and waited uh, during his session, but not in the treatment room, as you said. And then she approached and said, I would like to book my own appointment to understand opening gifts as well. So that whether I'm opening my own or I'm supporting my son in opening his, and I have none, or I'm not ready or whatever the spirit world is going to tell me, that at least I can understand my son better. I'll do what I can. She said that in front of him? She said that in front of him. Just after this whole session. (laughs) Proof. (laughs) Of saying that he had these ideas of love mixed up. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot to to this whole story about him. And his appointment was half an hour. It It was 30 minutes to come in and to get started. The guides gave him some tools. But they also gave him some homework. So they, they specifically for him, 
that they thought he would enjoy because he has this sense of humor. And to break down one of the barriers of one of his beliefs that things are scary if you believe in this stuff. Mm-hmm. So they they structured it so that he would, could challenge it in a humorous way and with curiosity and playfulness so that if he moved into those areas of his life and those qualities within him, within him that he wouldn't get triggered by fear, fear, fear. If I see a spirit, I'm going to be scared. No, if you see a spirit, they might be funny. They might be loving. They might be kind. They might be helpful. Mm-hmm. But it was flipping all of these switches from fear-based to love-based, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. So he walked out the door knowing his mom and his sister were on his team instead of thinking they weren't mm-hmm. with an idea that he could extend the team to another person that he could keep his dad in it, but understand that his dad had certain limitations, if mm-hmm. that was his choice, that he had got gains to come out of it, and that all this was going to help him come to his own self-awareness, mm-hmm. self-soothing techniques. I, I just thought that was an awesome half hour. Yeah. And, and so I'll much for pissing your money away. I was just going to say... What a beautiful way then for him to kind of take some of those games out when he's in sports. And he likes music. He likes arts. So as he goes forward and wanting to do different things that are of interest to him, because he likes these things, but the gifts and the anxiety, and I'll say the gifts slash other issues, because people don't know their gifts yet. The people in his life just think these are all of his problems. Remember? These aren't called gifts. They're problems. Mm-hmm. I had a problem brother. Oh, yes. Yeah. Everything that you described. Oh, totally. Totally. Told the truth in the classrooms and the teachers got mad and kicked him out. Yes. he called them on bullying students. Yeah. Yep. I know what you're talking about. Oh, I know. I remember Andrew being sent to the office because he stood up for another student. Yep. And the teacher bullied him and the principal backed up the teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, so this is a support system. And, and this, and I'm happy that you and I can be pieces of it with the personal sessions, but also with these podcast shows. But here's the deal for all of you who are listening. You're his team. Hmm. I I need you to hear that. I need you to, to put down your coffee mug or, you know, if you're listening, turn up the radio a little bit or whatever you're listening to this on your cell phone, whatever it is, you're part of the team because energetically we have to know that we're here for some good. Oh my God, we're rooting for each other. We are. Even if we don't think we are the ones with the gifts, we still have to root for the people who are trying. For the people that are sitting in those classrooms that are frustrated. For the teachers that are trying to change a system that's broken. Mm-hmm. For the doctors that are trying to change systems. Dr. Kolbaba that was on a couple of weeks ago that wants to correct some systems in medicine. We... We reach into every facet of life, whether it's in a work environment, volunteering, social structures, swim team, healthcare teams, we're everywhere. And we need to be able to know that we're not alone. Because that whole idea of this 14 year old feeling isolated is what will keep him sick. It's what will keep him in his house where he can't get up and participate. Mm-hmm. And we have to be able to know and be there for each other, even energetically. 
so that we can be ourselves and so that we can step out into the world and be ourselves and find each other yeah instead of all staying introverts yeah should we change our slogan to introverts unite (laughs) i guess that's not relevant to coffee (laughs) (laughs) no it's good and it does have to come with a light uh, can come with a lightness it can come with curiosity and playfulness and being inquisitive and love and kindness can come with and strength you can be kind and strong Mm -hmm. you can be kind and know your boundaries and set them i i remember Knox channel or channeled message for me was strength with gentleness perfectly said it's just a a certainty a sureness Mm -hmm. well and you're talking when you say that sureness kelly that's why i said this is important that we're there for each other because there are those people that once we start practicing the gifts or we try people want to take away our sureness they want us to make sure we we don't feel it Mm -hmm. because it gives them their control back over again Mm -hmm. those control over relationships and it's important uh, for us to feel powerful and not control over power within mm-hmm. lovely yeah well that's it for this morning if you have questions or comments about today's show you're welcome to email us at info at we're excited to hopefully uh, soon put together a show with more more client questions more listeners questions uh, so please please send those in and thank you for sharing your story mm-hmm. you're welcome